How many of you have tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good? Don't you wish everybody knew him? Man, I pray for the harvest. It's plenteous and laborers are few. So my wife and I, we've always prayed that this, uh, our endeavors in ministry would equip the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. And we'd be evangelistic. We'd be engaging. We'd win a lot of souls. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He that is wise wins souls, it says in Proverbs 11.30. So, you know, I'm on a course to teach you about the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. Uh, But these are pre-rapture messages. And this one is, I'd like you to turn to James chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 11. James chapter 5. I'm reading the New American Standard. Uh, God's holy word is so powerful. And... Have you been tempted to be irritable lately? Don't raise your hand. Have you noticed some hostilities around us? Have you noticed some dropping in uh, decorum and manner? Uh, I have, and I I, I especially, you you point a finger, you've got three pointing back at you. So, you know, this is a message to prepare us, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. As far as the rapture goes, we want to be a prepared people, don't we? So uh, as I talk about the scriptures, about the gathering up of the church preceded by the second coming of Jesus, like Job said, I know my Redeemer lives and his feet are going to be standing on the earth. Jesus is, <laughs> there's going to be an, all kinds of stuff coming up. Uh, and uh, I'll share my uh, doctrinal distinctives about it, you know, that I, I feel are sound and orthodox and I'll g- give you my viewpoints and, and uh, it'll help you out and I'll inspire you. But this right here gets us ready. We need to be made ready, a people made ready. Uh, this is, uh, readiness is so important. You know, I was a Boy Scout, and, and the motto was be prepared. Uh, preparation, um, what is it, an ounce of preparation is better than a pound of cure. And I think we Christians should live in a state of readiness. Like, you know, we don't know the hour when the Son of Man is coming. So we have to live our lives in holiness, like he's going to come back and two seconds. Uh, but we need to plan uh, for one or 200 years. I told my wife, you know, I think I'm going to project instead of 100 years to 200 years. She said, nobody knows what's up in 200 years. God does. And in case our children's 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 children need us to be in faith in our, our increment and the rapture is delayed to that point, you know, oh no, Pastor Jeff, it's happening any minute now. Have you watched the news? I have watched the news and I do have a readiness. The early church had a readiness. They knew that the hour was coming, and a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. But in order for us not to have escapist evacuation mentality, uh, we we are to be uh, about the Father's business. And I'm going to get in your business to tell you what the Father's business is, and it's essentially to walk in love, to overcome our flesh, to not hide from our flesh, to repent and be very genuine, not get in denial about things. Be true and sincere, right? James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Therefore, be patient. Look at somebody next to you say, Please be patient with me. And some of us needed to say that. Patsy, be patient with me. She's laughing. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Well, there's a rapture of the church, second coming reference right there. So preceding that rapture of the second coming is an admonition for brethren to be patient. Brothers and sisters, be patient. 
be tempered, have resolve. It's through faith and patience you inherit the promises. We live in an impulsive, you don't need me to tell you, instant gratification, uh, serotonin, dopamine-addicted culture. I want my microwave to be fast. I want it on high, and I want it fast. I love that 30-second button. I just push that over and over again. I haven't bothered to figure out or read the manual on how to use the thing. I don't know how to defrost. I don't know how to heat up a pizza. I just know push that 30-second button over and over again. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we try to do in God and in prayer and in this, you know, God, come on, we need a revival. It's like, well, yeah, there's some things that have to happen here like patience. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. We don't have time to turn to this, but in Mark chapter 4, there's a little snippet at the end of Jesus speaking on the seed and the soil. He says the farmer sows the seed and goes to bed at night and doesn't know how it grows. But the ground produces fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn of the ear. And I love it because Walter Grayler down the street and Fick over here they used the, have planted these fields. The Rombachs were just here last weekend. Farmers from the 1920s in this beautiful Gumbo Flats Valley, Chesterfield Valley. The, the, the soil is is so rich and dark, they call it gumbo flats because when it got wet, it looked like gumbo, the consistency and the darkness of gumbo. It's dark because it's filled with nutrition because this is a runoff from the Missouri River. So all the benefits of the nutrients, of the decay of the, of the different components of leaves and, 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 and decaying trees and all that, and the minerals that run off into it, and then it just fills it, and there's just such a system here. God planted us in this fertile valley, and I got to watch them plant soybeans and corn and, you know, these different uh, winter wheat one year, I remember. And, uh, you know, so I, a suburban uh, young man in uh, my, my late 20s, I'm, I'm over 28, and uh, I am. That's, that's not an exaggeration. I am. I'm over, way over. But anyway, I've watched these things. And I watched the spiritual parallels, and in an agricultural society, Jesus spoke these things, and there were instant, you know, deep spiritual truths bringing, being clarified by practical human references about seed and soil and farmers and, and patience. And the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets something called the early and the late rains. The systems in the land of Israel, there would be uh, different types of predictable weather patterns that would come that the farmers would uh, value and look forward to and be patient with. And similarly, in the spirit and what God is doing right now, in our individual lives, we as a church, local church, as a collective, as the body of Christ throughout the earth, um, God is, has his patterns, and he's, he's calling us again. He says, you too be patient. So patience is mentioned three times so far. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Farmers are being patient about it. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. So when the pandemic hit, instead of me jumping on every bandwagon that the 
society was festering and ordering us to move toward, I went to the fundamentals. Now let me tell you another parallel. I started working out with a trainer so that I could be healthy and fit for what I expect as a full court press toward the, the end seasons of my life. And um, my grandma broke her hip. My mom had osteoporosis. You know, I saw things uh, in people's bodies. I thought, well, I better get my, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to meditate on the word and get my mind renewed. I need to spiritually, I need to pray in the spirit and fellowship with believers and build up my heart and stay in the word. And I need to take care of my physical body, cutting back on some foods that aren't good and that kind of thing. But what was interesting is because I had the boating accident and uh, uh, it jacked my shoulder, cut my bicep. I have a, you know, it looks like I look really fit if I were to try to impress anyone, I would just turn this way and flex. It's, it's really cut right here. Literally was cut. But, it, you know, uh, my, my kids said, Dad, you look like Kevin Bacon. I, well, I, don't, I don't look at Kevin Bacon that much, but I guess he has ripped, uh, you know, abs or whatever. I've never seen or heard of abs. I don't know that that's a possibility. I have an ab. But anyway, uh, uh, my trainer took those into consideration. And he said, look, um, we're going to work on the fundamentals. Everybody say fundamentals. <laughs> and so this is two years in. And so now he said to me, because you worked on the fundamentals, do you notice how much weight you can move? You can move as much weight as those young guys that are super buff. I said, I didn't really think about it. He goes, yeah, you go to that machine, you're moving the same weight they're moving because I worked on your fundamentals. I didn't know that until this week. I guess he was trying to prevent me from getting all e egotistical and having a big fat head and coming in here in a tank top and preaching, you know, in gym shorts. Aren't you glad I didn't wear gym shorts and come in in a tank top? All God's people said amen. I just was so good to you for that. And go like this, you know, and all that stuff. But so he's preparing me on a thing to, and I'm moving weight. He said, remember when you started? We were working on this number of pounds. Now look at how many, look how far down we've moved the pin. And I'm not saying it for any other reason except that when the fundamentals are worked on, it took a long time. And I would even, and, and I worked with my son, Taylor, and we would say, yeah, we're going really slow. We, we can move bigger weight. And, and, but see, the realization was, he told me this week, my trainer, he said so-and-so uh, got paralyzed because he let his muscles get bigger than the rest of his systems. His, the fundamentals weren't right. I said, what do you mean? He said he got so built up in his musculature, but his, his joints and his ligaments and his tendons and his bones couldn't support the level of bulk of his muscles. So he was in a, in a fitness thing, uh, either training for or in a moment of competition, and it severed his uh, spinal column, and he has to walk around in a walker. He's way younger than me, and I thought, wow, be patient, therefore. I had to be patient in the process. I, I, you know, going back in junior high, the guy that was bigger than me that did the 250-pound bench press, that's what I wanted to do. And I was the scrawny little kid and, you know, this male ego thing. And that could happen in the church. That could happen amongst ministry. That could happen in families. That could happen in this competitive, weird climate. But this verse here is a pre-rapture, pre-second coming verse. And this is what I majored on. 
when they were saying, you know, if you're really any kind of leader, you're going to get on this bandwagon and address these social ills. Or you're going to get, if you're a patriot, you're going to say this. Or if you're, uh, you care about uh, the nation, so you care about ethnicity, you're going to say this. Or if you care, you know. So, so there's all these agendas, and they all have value. They're all important, but nothing like the fundamentals. There's a God who's we're to believe in. And there's a reward system that we're to believe in. And there's a walk of faith that we're to buy into and commit to. Everybody say fundamentals. So now I am less prone to injury. In this season of my life, I who have been injured from a crash that's been taken into consideration, compensated for, I'm much more flexible than I was. I'm much more mobile than I was, and I'm stronger than I was. That, was. that was my intent. But man, the process, come on, man. Give me, let me get into those bigger weights. Let, let's get into the heavyweight issues. And, uh, but the farmer sows the seed, and he said, be patient, be patient, be patient. It's through faith and patience. God's anointed me and gifted me. My personality is like this. So I have to be careful that I don't confuse waiting on the Lord with lethargy. That is not what I'm advocating. There's a time to get up and go. There's going to be a moment where I'm going to be able to pull the full rack of weights. And boy, will you hear about it. Because it's, it's now finally, it's feasible. Because my tendons, ligaments, and joints have caught up with it. And so that I, uh, uh, I could, we can move on into the next levels of our, our destiny, of our calling, of the purposes of God in this next chapter of our lives. The early and the latter reign is kind of mysterious to us. But he said, and Charles Finney preached uh, out of Hosea, I think it's chapter 10, verse 12, uh, break up the fallow ground for he's about ready to rain righteousness on you. And... Um, I'm believing God for some big things up ahead. I'm believing God for some great things uh, for our church body, for our region. I love the St. Louis Bi-State area. I love Chesterfield. I love where we're planted in this valley. And uh, it says, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it. Everybody say, I'm patient. Until it gets the early and the latter rains, that, that's something of the Holy Spirit stimulating it and, and drenching it and saturating in it with himself. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Pastor Jeff, aren't you on, what bandwagon are you on? What about this issue? What about this medical thing? What about this, this subject? What about this, you know? Uh, okay, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another. Wow. So that you yourselves may not be judged. Ouch. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door as an example, brethren, of the suffering and patience uh, of the Lord. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, who count, we count those blessed who endured. We count those blessed. Don't you respect people who have endured? I, that's my big deal. I'm, I'm not interested in flashes in the pan. I'm interested in longevity and sustainability. You have heard of the endurance of Job, right? 
and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. And two things here, that the Lord, number one, is full of compassion. Everybody say compassion. And is merciful. Everybody say mercy. So now we see here a terrific uh, end time pattern, pre-rapture, pre-second coming message. The, the, coming, the coming of the Lord is near. So don't complain against your brethren. Uh, uh, be patient, you know, steadfast and movable. This is repeated over and over and over again in the epistles to the church. But I want to land now for the next couple minutes on the word full of compassion. Everybody say compassion. Compassion is a deep awareness of and sympathy for others' feelings. Compassion is a deep awareness of and sympathy for another's feelings. Hebrews 4.14 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all points as we. He's passed through the heavens. He's righteous. Verse 15 uh, he's, he's, we're holding fast to our confession. Uh, he's, he, we're, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And then it says that, that he's been tempted in all points as we have yet without sin. And therefore, let us draw near with confidence, with patience, with courage, with trust, with assurance, so we can have divine action corresponded to our faith uh, in the time of need. And I'm telling you, the big weapon is patience and it's love, it's compassion. A number, a number two definition for compassion would be a humane quality of understanding. A humane quality of understanding. The, uh, the sufferings and, and, and hurts of others and wanting to do something about it. Being sensitive, being in touch with the feeling of others' infirmities, empathy. My wife has this going on. And when you get provoked, people start treating you bad, hurt people, hurt people. And we've been in many situations where she's looked past the provocation and looked and considered what might be going on in that his or her life. And it's pretty mature of her. And I watched her do it where she ended up being right. And instead of that instant reaction to retaliate, she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in a consideration. That's that empathy where you get over into a place where it's like, okay, I'm going to believe God this person gets delivered from whatever this thing is. I've watched people burst into tears, humble themselves, confess things to, to her, to ask us for prayer, going from being mean like a, I don't know, a skunk, to, to all of a sudden being tender and humble and dropping their guard. I'm just hurting, you know, I'm hurting. The world is so messed up. Dan Deerdorf was, you know, just an amazing pro NFL, remember the St. Louis Football Cardinals, back in the dawn of time. Well, he, he's now a KMOX broadcaster, and back in the 80s, he and his wife tragically lost a child to sudden infant death syndrome. And he said, man, he said, I have enjoyed such a, if you tracked my career, it was like a 45-degree angle. He said, you know, the, he was, he, it was monetized were such, in, in such huge increments, and he, it, he was enjoying such abundance in his life. He said, though, when that tragedy hit his, he and his wife and hit his household, he said it brought a, an awareness of the hurts of others. It brought compassion. My own medical doctor, he got hit with cancer, and he knew God didn't put it on him. He knew it was an attack from the devil. He said, I got into medicine because I care about people, but let me tell you, he told me to my face, going through this 
has deepened my sensitivity and compassion for my patients. So I just want to say right now, whatever you've gone through, redeem it. Uh, Don't let it harden you. You've got street credibility. Let it tenderize you and make you empathetic and and sympathetic because compassion is a key. Colossians 3.12 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Put on a heart of compassion. What's my message in post-pandemic America? What's my message you know, three years into this thing in, in St. Louis, what, what's my message right before an election? What's my message after all the things that have happened round about me? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, of gentleness, and patience. There it is again. This is the pre-rapture message for this Sunday morning in October. Be patient. Be patient with me, your pastor. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the timetable of God. Let the Lord deal with you. He'll grant you repentance. He'll walk you through. You're here by the grace of God. And there is a semblance, a semblance of openness and receptivity. Your, your heart, you're, you're inclined to the Lord. He's drawing you. He's dealing with you. He loves you. He, he, whom he loves, he, he disciplines, he chastens. And these are really important verses. L- l- listen to what it says in Matthew 9. We don't have a lot of time in this first service. So get your communion ready. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, I want to read this as we finish. Uh, and then I want to give you some action steps. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 said, when Jesus, let's go to 35. Let's go, let's go to verse 35. Because Jesus was teaching. He, Jesus was going throughout uh, the city of Chesterfield and the valley of uh, Chesterfield, Chesterfield Valley, uh, teaching in St. Louis Family Church, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of diseases and every kind of sickness. And look, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. See, you see some things and you feel the ire go up in you. You know, you see all these these, uh, surveillance camera things capturing thugs, beating people up, stealing cars and punching women and pushing people into the, the, you know, the tracks of uh, subways and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, it makes you feel guarded. It makes you get defensive. It makes you, you know, uh, you, you, know you go jogging. you got to have somebody with you. you got to look. I, you know, even on this levee, I watch people, they just watch. You know, they, they bring their dogs. It's like this is a serious season we're in. That's why we are to put on a heart of compassion like I put on my jacket today, put on a heart of compassion. It's intentional. It's a decision. I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk in love, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? I went through a security in O'Hare Airport in Chicago, and I had, I told them, I have some harmonicas in my bag. They look funny on their screen. Most of them don't identify them. So most people say, okay, thanks for telling me. Yeah, okay. But this time, they opened them, unzipped them. She had rubber gloves on. It was early in the pandemic. People had to wear masks. And uh, it was a lot of agitation about it. And she put her hands all over those things, and she looked at them, you know. And I, I'm thinking, I'm just having to stand there. And I'm, I'm, these are, I take these with me everywhere I go to annoy my family with them. 
and uh, play them while they're watching television. And now you just put your, you got rubber gloves, but you got all kinds of microbes. I don't care about COVID-19 or 20 or 21. You, you just have germs from everything here, you know? So I just had to stand there and go, I bit my bottom lip, bit my top lip. I bit that little punching bag in the back. You know, I tied my tongue in a knot, you know. I gulped it down. I mean, I tried, and, and I, she then paused, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm sorry, here's some de- disinfectant. I, and so then I, God helped me. I gathered up everything I could, and I said, and, it, and, I, and I heard it come out of my mouth. It was like, I know I'm saved. There's a God. I said, that's okay. You're just doing your job. Everything in my system wanted to, lady, these are, I'm going to be putting this in my mouth. You know, there are all these like skull and crossbone warnings everywhere. People are walking around like zombies. Don't get near me. There's signs at the coffee line. Back up. Quit looking at each other. We think it might be transferable by staring. Quit staring. Don't look at me like that. You know? So put on a heart of compassion. Remember all that? It's latent. It's, it's, it's present. And we've got to be intentional about putting on a heart of compassion. See, Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. We pray the Lord will uh, send out laborers. The, 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 the Greek is thrust forth, launch laborers out of the harvest, into the harvest. I, I have unashamedly wanted St. Louis Family Church to be a home base of nurture, of development, of training, good community, a lot of love, a lot of projects and things like that, discipleship, growing, and then launching you into your respective world. Um, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in people being all fixated on things they're not called to, but I am. Uh, my goal is to equip people for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ in their particular lane. We all stay in our lane and we all do what God's called us to do. It'll be amazing. I've seen people push out of their lane and it's like, man, I can't even help that. But when people really spend the time and do the homework to see what the Lord's saying to them, generally we're called to walk in love. We're called to carry the gospel. We're called to have communion with him. And uh, boy, I have so much more here. But just putting on a heart of compassion. This is going to be the practical faith builder right here. Colossians 3, 12. Let's put this up on the screen. Everybody stand. We're going to get ready to receive communion. And we're going to do this in faith. Um, It was better for me that I walked away from the TSA lady um, Having, having been respectful and kind to her, right? Rather than giving her a piece of my mind and walking away and being super convicted of being a jerk. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, help me out. And so that's why Colossians 3, 12 is our action scripture today. So those, as those who have been chosen... How many of you have been called and you know you're chosen? You don't need to make your calling, your election, sure. You're called before the foundations of the world. Holy and beloved, cleansed, washed, renewed, new creatures, 
Put on a heart of compassion. This will help us crucify our flesh. Instead of being bitter and mean, I had the privilege of having some amazing interaction with elder men and women in leadership uh, in our young developing years. And we enjoyed some amazing interaction, some inside communication, some in some cases even friendship. Uh, and I saw some stay sweet and I saw one particular guy get real grumpy. Uh, I'm thankful to say that he got over his grumpiness and I got to be with him the last year or so of his life and he too entered into a real compassion, real sweetness, didn't he? And it was beautiful. All's well that ends well. But this right here, you say, when is the rapture going to happen, Pastor Jeff? When is the second coming going to occur? Uh, we don't know the hour of the day. It'll be like a thief in the night. And it is coming. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, this is what we do in the meantime. We do this in the meantime, because guys, it's the meantime. That lady up there was just like, she even knew. It's like, I just put my hands all over these harmonicas that he's going to put in his mouth. You know, I got, you know, they had this dispenser and it was that foamy uh, disinfectant. I mean, I loaded those things up. It took about, I mean, it felt like for a week. I was like, Aah. but I thought all those germs are killed, <laughs> including all through my gut, probably. But I, I, you know, I just didn't, I just wasn't going to be overcome by it. I put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, Jesus was moved with compassion, and he stretched forth his hand, and he healed. He was moved with compassion uh, because they were sheep without a shepherd. Uh, you know, what moves us? We need to be moved, not by the irritation or the resentment or the badgering on the social media, on the news media, on the, even the rhetoric of our friends. We have got to hear from the Word of God and the heart of God and put on a heart of compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Remember our starter verse, James 5. Patient, patient, patient. Everybody say patient. Now, God's been patient with you. Aren't you glad? Boy, that'll get, get us straightened out. Everybody say, but for the grace of God, go I. Everybody say, mercy. Yes, God, we thank you now, and we hold no grudge. We bear no ill will. That verse says that we're to not complain against one another. So we lay aside all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, abusive speech, malice, and God, we endeavor to walk in compassion, to walk in love. And as we do, we know you're going to make us ready for the rapture and all that precedes it. So Lord, help us as you're the Lord of the harvest. Help us at our household. Help us with our mates. Help us with, their, with our kids for charity starts in the home. Help us in the, in the viewpoints of our, uh, and even how we treat uh, those hostile to us. God, that we're not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. And uh, we, we just forgive. Say, I forgive everybody. Say, I receive the love of Jesus. 
If you've never given your life to the Lord, today repent and ask Jesus to come into your life. Submit to him. He'll wash you, cleanse you. He'll embrace you and make you a worthy brand new creation. That's his miracle power. It can save you from your sin. There's a hell to avoid. There's a heaven to gain. Those are very real places. Jesus came to deliver us so we can walk with him for eternity. How about that? So lift up the elements and Jesus blessed them and he said, uh, this is the cup of the covenant of my blood which was shed for you. This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're putting into remembrance the Lord's death until he comes. All his provision has been supplied to us. All his abundance is available to us. And he's pushing the reset button on a brand new day, brand new beginnings in the name of Jesus. Say, I receive God's love, God's provision into every area of my life. I trust for the early and latter rain poured out on my soil, on my church, my city, in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. I receive healing for my body. And I'm so thankful for his mercy, right? Now, listen, go out with joy. Be led forth with peace. Interaction with people. When they start putting their hands all over your harmonicas, what do you do? Bite your lip. Walk in love. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon, morning, evening. Prayer meeting tonight at 630. Go out and have fun today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.